Losing streaks are snapped. We had an eight-man football showdown between number one and number two, and plenty of teams getting impact wins, big wins in week one. Mitch, are you ready to go? Yeah, let's get into it. Let's go. Talking Illinois high school football. If your goals are as high as you talk about, tonight's the night you go out and just take one more step. It's a view from the West. And it starts right now! Welcome into View from the West podcast. I'm your host, Greg Armstrong, joined once again by Mitch Stormer. Mitch, we got one Friday night in the books. Yeah. We were uh, all over Twitter. I was uh, walking the sidelines at Monmouth Roseville and Monmouth United. Mitch, what was your Friday night like? Give me the, uh, give me the rundown from your end. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. Um, it kind of forgot how much goes on in a very short amount of time uh, here, here on Fridays in the fall. Um, you know what was weird, Greg? Let me let me bring this up to you because I think you might have been to one of these games. What's with week one senior nights? What's going on there? there okay, there was I at saw least, LaSalle Peru had one, and I didn't yeah, know what that was about. There was at least two or three games that like started an hour after everybody else because they were doing senior night stuff. I've never seen that. That that is weird. I did notice that in the LaSalle Peru game in particular, and I I don't know. I've never heard of that. So. Yeah. Plenty of great football to talk about, and it was a beautiful night. Weather was perfect. Yeah. You couldn't have asked for much better, at least from where I was at in Monmouth. I didn't see many other uh, many other weather issues anywhere else that I, that I looked at. So perfect way to start the season. And Mitch, we got plenty to talk about, but we'll start with what we call our viewpoints, our headlines. Yeah. So Mitch, I'll let you go first. And what kind of sure. defines the, uh, what kind of defines week one of high school football around here? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm going to give you more of kind of a general kind of viewpoint here uh, as opposed to getting into any particular game because for as much excitement as we have going into week one every year, right, and, and really every week, but uh, certainly week one, coming off of fall camp, you know, these teams haven't played an actual game in a long time. Um, I'm going to be cautiously optimistic in these recaps this week. Um, I think you saw a lot of great performances, uh, certainly, um, but maybe they were against an inferior opponent Maybe some teams who didn't play well played against a really good opponent. So we're certainly going to take things as they, you know, um, as they happened um, and take them at face value. But with that little bit of caveat of, okay, it was just week one. They haven't played in a long time. Um, Or again, maybe they played somebody a little bit less inferior. So I don't want to think some of these running backs are going to run for 200 yards every single week. So um, again, excited to see some of these guys play a lot of names that came back from last year, a lot of brand new names. Um, so as the season goes on, I'll be excited to see how they progress, how they get better. Um, and I, I don't think the teams that necessarily lost in week one, that's going to be uh, in, indicative of their season uh, progress or season success. And the flip side, too, on teams that won, you know, you never know. So I'm, I'm staying cautious here, cautiously optimistic uh, with these week one results. Well, cautiously optimistic. I, I understand you stayed general in your headline, in your viewpoint. Mitch, I'm going to go ahead and get very specific. Okay. My headline in week one takes me to eight-man football and number two ranked in the state, Amboy, knocks off number one ranked, Polo, the two-time defending state champions. Amboy gets the win 28-12. to We'll dive more into the game in a little bit when we get into our eight-man recaps. But I got to give them a shout out right off the top. I got to lead off with them. That's a huge win for Amboy and just a real statement win in what could be 
I mean, that could be the most important game of the regular season in eight-man right. football and happen in week one. Yeah, and it may not be the last time these two teams play either because, uh, again, like I was just kind of talking about, Polo lost. I don't think they're worse than the third-best team in eight-man. They might even still be the second-best team in eight-man. They could yeah. even be the best team in eight-man. You know, you yeah. just don't know. Um, but Amboy especially, they played so well last year um, at the end of the season and then in the uh, the playoffs – to get to, I believe it was the semifinals. I think they finally fell, but um, yeah, I, I don't want to say I saw this coming, but I knew Amboy was going to be really, really good. So yeah, we'll get into this game in a little bit um, and then spotlight some eight man football. Cause this was a really good game. Yep. Absolutely. To our eight man football contingent to our eight man fans stick around. We will certainly dive into that game. Cause I think it's, it's a huge impact win for Amboy um, to anyone listening. Also, I encourage you to go out Check out our Instant Reacts podcast. Uh, I joined the score squad. I joined Brian Stocking. I, I, I led with Brian Stocking. Daz was not going to like that. No. Led, led, we, we met with Brian Stocking and Matt Randazzo, Corey Cuffler, and Camille Gear, the newest addition to the team over there. Yep. And uh, you know how the Instant Reacts go, Mitch. It's, uh, yeah. you know, things get a little punchy after we don't get done recording till about 11 or 11:30 and then we get going about midnight on this instant react so it yeah gets to be a late night no real editing involved just kind of let the yep. can, just kind of let the microphone go and see what happens so yeah those those newsrooms can get a little loopy uh once the cameras are off <laughs> and, and you're you're trying to digest all the all the football and, and such so yeah I've been there um great episode great reacts as always and uh let's dive in a little bit more to what you guys talked about here yeah, so we'll dive in. And Mitch, when we're talking about headlines, if we're starting in the Western Big Six, yeah, the headline I think is the Allman Pioneers. They yep. snap their losing streak. They get the win, thirty-two to six over Chicago Academy. Mitch, credit to them. That's been a well-documented struggle for the Allman football program. And we talked about how much those kids deserve to walk off the field with a win, and they get one in Week One on a Saturday afternoon. You know, star recruit Charles Jagasaw leading the way. Seniors Andrew Torres and Quentin Francesca rushing touchdowns in the first half. Junior quarterback uh, Daniel Vandahiti also threw three touchdown passes. Great effort for the Pioneers. It's just, it's one of those stories that you feel good about because they, they were hurting. They, they needed a win. Yeah, so much turmoil with, with the school and the administrations and things, which they have, they have straightened out, uh, thankfully. I think the conference is a lot better. Uh, with, with Allman being good and I think I think we talked about this in the preview that Allman is still the last Western Big Six team to go to a state final so you know and that wasn't all that long ago so you know they're, they're in the valley a little bit so to speak this was a nice step up um, a Saturday game too we had to wait for this one uh, looked looked like a beautiful day in Chicago Allman was on the road for this one uh, but yeah like you said this was this was a good good opportunity for them to get a win they went out and did it uh in pretty convincing fashion you know um this is this hopefully gives those players some confidence um a lot of games they had last year they didn't score more than a touchdown so um this is certainly a, a turnaround here and uh who, who knows that the Quincy Notre Dame game next week depending on on how they come out of their game against Quincy and we'll talk about that in a minute some injuries there so we'll we'll see you know Allman's going to have all the momentum in the world and uh, hopefully this isn't the last time we're talking about a win because I don't think it will be. Um, but regardless, great, great win for Allman. Good for them. Good for those kids. Yep. Good for them. It will certainly only get tougher from here. Their, their yep. opponents will, 
get bigger and and tougher as the schedule goes on for the Allman Pioneers, but that's no surprise to them. I mean, those those players kind of know that, uh, yep. you know, know what's coming. So see what they can do from here on out. But uh, let's move along. LaSalle, Peru gets the win at home over United Township 31-21. Mitch, we'll get into this one a little bit, but I I don't know if maybe maybe I was sleeping on LaSalle, Peru. Maybe I, I know yeah. they were a playoff team a year ago at 5-4. and four. I didn't really know all that they had coming back. But, you know, traditionally over the last five to ten years, they haven't been a great program. And so, you know, I didn't know what to expect necessarily in this one. And I had some high hopes for United Township. Unfortunately, our Panthers, you know, fall a little bit short in this one, uh, losing 31-21. They took a lead. They took their first lead late in the third quarter. And you kind of thought, all right, they've been playing from behind and been battling. Once they took that lead, you kind of thought, all right, maybe this is, you know, the United Township team that we, we thought we'd see and they'd get be on the right track. But man, that that momentum was immediately erased. Mason Lynch for the Cavaliers returned the ensuing kickoff 87 yards. That killed all the momentum that they had. Overall, penalties and just inconsistent offense never really allowed UT to take control of this game. And it's, you know, it, it's an unfortunate start for the Panthers because we know what they have coming in Loyola Academy in week two. So mm-hmm. it's a tough schedule to start with. This one would have been a nice win to get, but it's it's hard to get a win in week one on the road, you know, in, a, in an opponent that you're not all maybe that familiar with being non-conference play. So, right. Yeah, this game was kind of like you alluded to. It was back and forth early on. It really was. It was a great battle uh, between really two good teams. Matthew Kelly, we talked about a lot going into the season, coming back as the quarterback uh, for, for UT. Played well, 11-18 for 117 yards, had a touchdown, uh, included a, a rushing touchdown too. So uh, his dual threat abilities did come out to play, so that's good to see. Um, he was ju- he was also the leading rusher just ahead of John Manzo. But like you said, penalties, it's been a problem for UT. It was a problem last year. Um, but, but, you know, having a game like this, back and forth, you're battling, that that could also be a good thing to have in week one. When you're going up against a team like Loyola, you know, it's almost, you know, it could be better to get that experience in the first week instead of doing it in week two. So they do have things to work on. That's a good thing. Um, unfortunately, here in this game, it just, they, they came up a little too short. Um, Corey Randall, a name that we talked about too, he was the leading receiver. He had 51 yards on four catches. So, um, you know, there were signs there. Defense played, played well. We talked about that too last season. They had a lot of shootout games where they gave up a lot of points so um you know maybe they've, they've shored up the defense a little bit here um and just like kind of like we were talking about with with all of the season it doesn't get easier it really doesn't and it's certainly for, for UT playing an 8A school next week so um they've got stuff to work on I think they'll be able to turn this around um but uh yeah they just got to keep working hard at this and uh we'll see what happens here week two against Loyola well Mitch let's come back and let's meet on this podcast in seven days and yep. we'll be talking about the upset heard around the state. Everybody's going to be talking about this game next week, and we're going to be the ones covering the upset. How about that? I'm all, I'm all for it. I'm sure Coach Welch would be ready and uh, ready for us to talk about that too. So, um, yeah, all the power to UT. Go get them. Yep, exactly. All right, another tough loss for the Western Big Six. Galesburg falls to Dunlap 27-13. Dunlap had a 21-3 lead after Maiden Burke returned a punt for 37 yards for a touchdown in the third quarter. Galesburg rallied with a 73-yard touchdown pass from Tristan Legate to Amari Richardson. That was with 8.45 left in the third quarter. Sam Satiski 
kicked a 32-yard field goal. That's a kid we saw kicking last year for the Silver Streaks. So good to see him having some success again this year. That would pull him within 21 to 13, but that would be the closest they would get. So, you know, a tough opening week loss for Galesburg. They always seem to play Dunlap tough. They did last year too, and they just couldn't quite get over the hump in this one. Yeah, kind of the same situation as the UT game. Back and forth, tight for a long time. Dunlop just comes out on top. They had that one extra score in them to, to push them over the edge. So, again, some good things for Galesburg here. Um, and certainly some things to work on. Um, but good win for Dunlap. They've got another uh, Western Big Six opponent next week. I think they play. I'm scrolling to find it right now. This won't be the last time we talk about them. Um, they play Rocky. They yep. play Rocky next week. So uh, not the last we'll see a Dunlap. And uh, we'll see what Galesburg brings in week two here. Yep. We'll talk a little bit about Rock Island and their week one opponent in a minute here in their game. But let's jump into Mitch, the Geneseo Maple Leafs, known yeah. as the Green Machine. And man, that offense was a machine on Friday night against Chicago Noble, 52 to nothing. Mitch, it wasn't even, it wasn't even that close. <laughs> well, and I want to, I want to say it might've been even closer, Greg, because I think that's a typo. I think they did score on the last play of the game. Oh, I think maybe. we talked about, or I think you guys talked about it on the instant reacts. Uh, I think Let's there was see. a stock. Yes. A, 52 yeah. to six. Okay. Yeah. There was a, there was a stockpile nugget that it would have been something back-to-back shutouts or something since, you know, 1845 <laughs> or something. So um, yeah, Chicago did score as time expired, but yeah, this was, this was a great game for Geneseo. Um, similar, the same opponent as last year, Geneseo kind of did the same thing. Um, but I think if I'm remembering this correctly, uh, Geneseo kicked off to start. Uh, Chicago Noble fumbled it. Geneseo recovered and then scored. And then the same thing happened uh, on the second kickoff of the first half. So they, they were on them early and often. Um, so great win for Geneseo. Great start to the season for Geneseo. Yeah, Jaden Weinzerl, 171 total yards, three touchdowns. He's a candidate for the score standout on WQAD. So, uh, you know, head over there and vote for him. I think he was uh, the only Illinois candidate. The rest were from Iowa. So, okay. Uh, if you, you know, got that Illinois pride, high school Illinois football pride, go over and vote for uh, Jaden Weinzerl on WQAD.com yep. or on Twitter as well. Um, Mitch, let's move along to another big non-conference win. Moline gets the win over St. Lawrence, 27-21. Yeah. This was a tight game throughout. The play of the game coming on a fourth down and one. St. Lawrence was deep in Moline territory, looking to cut into that Maroons lead. But Christian Slater forces a fumble, recovers, and returns it for, I believe, over 40 yards, flipping the yeah. field. That sets up Riley Fuller to give Moline the insurance that they need for the big win. Mitch, it's always good to win in week one, and that's a quality opponent in St. Lawrence. And, uh, you know, Moline taking that first step, looking good again this year. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm going to be honest with you, Greg. I was curious what Moline was going to look like this year. Yeah. With all due respect to their players. I knew they'd be good, right? I knew they'd be good. But when you have to replace people like Alec Ponder and Matthew Bailey, um, you, your Matthew, offense is going to look. Matthew Bailey, who's making a name for himself on Saturdays yeah. now. So. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, how about the Illini? They're back. Anyway. Um, <laughs> well, let's not go that far. Yeah, right. Um, so, yeah, I was curious how this offense would look. And then as this game kind of progressed, it was almost like, as Moline was, you know, had the ability to kind of go the air raid a little bit. Now they're more ground and pound. They, they have a, a, a trio, 
quadruple, however many running backs that they have. Yeah. Um, really leading the way. Um, we knew Riley Fuller was going to be good. We knew Cooper Marsh was going to be good. Mason Woods, all these guys who played before. Um, yeah, all, all three of them combined for just under 300 yards. So um, great to see that. Speaking of replacing quarterback, Grant Sibley came in, added 71 yards on the ground for himself. So this is a really good uh, rushing attack. They were up to 346 yards on the ground on Friday night. So when you can control the clock like that, when you wear down your opponent like that, you're going to win these close games. So this is a good start for Moline. Glad to see it. And uh, yeah, like you said, that, that Christian Slater play uh, was awesome. So it's plays like that that are going to make the difference. And uh, it did so for the Maroons here. Yeah, that's a great win for Moline, and they look like they'll be, you know, once again, one of the contenders in the Western Big Six. Let's move along to maybe one of the best rivalry games yeah. in the state of Illinois. I mean, just every time I see an image of this one, the atmosphere looks awesome, you know? Yeah. Quincy versus Quincy Notre Dame. It's the Blue Devils coming away with a 21-13 to win in the rivalry showdown in the Gem City. Sophomore running back Jarius Rice had 300 and, or sorry, 135 all-purpose yards, two touchdowns in the second half. One of them was the final dagger with less than four minutes left in the game. Quincy quarterback Jaden Little also hit him with a beautiful wheel route pass for 55-yard touchdown. So, you know, that's a name we talked about coming into the season was yeah. would, would Braden Little be the starting quarterback? He's taken the reins and he looks the part. And yeah, a new name for us, Jarius Rice coming up and kind of making a name for himself in this game. Yeah, another Quincy running back uh, making a name for himself and going to be around for a long time making all the plays. So yeah, this was a, this was a play that this, this touchdown pass, it was a play that they said that they had kind of had in their back pocket practiced all summer. Um, you, you know, an older play that they really hadn't shown in a while, but always one that you want to have in your back pocket just for that right moment. And it, it seemed like, Rice couldn't have been more wide open. Uh, that's how unexpected it was. So great play, play call there. Um, for Quincy Notre Dame, the quarterback, uh, Jackson Stratton, I think we'll be talking about him a lot. He was playing really well in this game uh, when it was tight. Uh, sideline with cramps, as we do see a lot here in the early season. It looked hot there. Um, it looked like they started this game maybe early. The sun was still pretty well out there, which made the, the, the scenes there even prettier, like, like you were mentioning earlier. Um, this is a great uniform battle, by the way. So when the sun shined, yes. it looked really good. So um, I expect Quincy Notre Dame to bounce back from this because they did look good. I think Quincy's going to have a good year. So this is a great game. Again, a crosstown rivalry uh, community showdown. This was great. This is exactly what you want in a rivalry game. So good, good for Quincy and uh, to get this win. Yep. So Quincy gets the win in the rivalry game. Moving right along, it's Rock Island falling in their week one Again, for the second year in a row to Pekin in a non-conference game, Pekin gets the win 56-20. to The 11th-ranked Dragons returned a pair of 1,000-yard rushers, so we knew this would be a tough game, a tough test for Rock Island. And it's just, man, they can't get, can't figure out Pekin. Pekin's been tough yeah. two years in a row on them. Um, Kane Tyler had four touchdowns, including a back-breaking 99-yard interception return that stopped Rocky's momentum early in the second half. A name we've talked about, though, Quintarian Brooks for the Rocks, returned the opening kick in the second half, 68 yards to the house. So that's a good sign. But Mitch, once again, I, man, I hate to say it, but Rock Island's given up a lot of points, and that that's a problem. 
yeah, a problem last year. But if you just if you stick to just their last two games, which again the playoff game that that playoff game is an anomaly, right? Yeah, absolutely. but it doesn't. But it doesn't change the numbers. So with with the ninety four that were in that game, the fifty six here, that's one hundred and fifty points in the last two games for Rocky. So um, you you know got to get that shored up again. Springfield offense was unbelievably good. Yeah. Pekin is a very, very good offense. But yeah. the problem for Rock Island is that they're going to see good offenses here in the Western Big Six. So something's got to get shored up. Um, as you said, Quintarian Brooks is the spotlight here. He's going to have a great season. Um, that, that kickoff return was electric. So they have sparks. They certainly do. But um, not the start that they wanted. And uh, we'll see if they can bounce back here in, in week two uh, against Dunlap. Yep. Well, speaking of one of those offenses that Rock Island's going to run into later in the season, yeah. let's go to the Sterling Golden Warriors. Mitch, they get the win at home 40-6 to over Lake Villa. Golden Warriors scored 34 first-half points to cruise to victory. So you talk about wanting to get off to a good start, getting off to a fast start. They literally, Sterling literally did that. They, they looked good right from the get-go. Yeah, this was impressive, right? This was, I, I don't want to say it's unexpected because I really don't know much about Lake Villa, but with everything that Sterling went through last year, the injuries and, and the players just, you know, <laughs> playing different positions, this, that, and other thing, to see what Kale Ryan did, to see what their new guy, J.P. Schilling, did, um, I'm a fan. I'm a really big fan of what these guys did. Um, a, an incredible one-two punch. And then you're not even talking about Antonio Tablante yet, which is just, you know, an incredible offense to have. So, um, yeah, this was a really good win for Sterling. Again, if you're if you're taking things from week one, which I'm trying not to do, but really, really looking forward to uh, Sterling and Moline this year. I think that's going to be just that game might take 30 minutes of game time with the way that those two teams run the ball. So. Um, yeah, this was a great win. Um, AJ Kessler, another name that was that played last year a lot and, get, and got hurt. So um, we, we talked about the, what Sterling brought back this year. They showed it here in week one and a uh, great win. Mitch, did you see AJ Kessler's punt return? I didn't. Oh my gosh. Go, go on to uh, Golden Warrior TV, tweeted it out, or it's out of the, you know, Sterling Golden Warrior account. They tweeted out the game highlight from the broadcast, okay. man. It's, it's a couple bad tackling. It's a little bit of bad tackling, okay. but also like, man, he is all over the field. He's covering some serious ground to, to go 68 yards. It, it was, it was great. He also added an interception to go along with it. So AJ Keston's a name we got to give a shout out to because yeah. he was doing some great work as well. Well, and, and friend of the show, uh, Zach Shapiro there with Golden Warrior TV. I'll have to find, the, find that highlight. I'm sure he, I'm sure he posted somewhere. He might even send it to us and I missed it. So yeah, I'll track that down. Absolutely. And just before we wrap up with Sterling, really good. Great to see Kale Ryan back on the field yep. doing his thing. You know, been such a struggle and such a battle for him. And, uh, you know, to see him put in the work and the effort to get back on the field is great. So, well, congrats to and, him. And I think, too, what I did see, I didn't see that punt return, but I did see J.P. Schilling, uh, one of his touchdown runs. So, one, not only see a dynamic player, but that only just helps – Kale Ryan. It only helps Antonio Tablante. It, it eases the burden of those guys who just got beat up so much last year, so much wear and tear. It's another, you know, weapon to have. So when they're going to be able to utilize that as much as they did in this game, I would presume they're going to try and do that all year. Um, they're going to get a lot out of those guys. Yep, absolutely. 
All right. Well, Mitch, let's uh, before we move along, let's look at week two in the Western Big Six and see what yep. we got coming up and talk about the games that stand out. United Township, as we referenced, going up to Loyola Academy on Saturday. Mitch, Loyola Academy's 1-0, and they beat Cincinnati's St. Xavier, St. X. That's uh, yeah. a pretty good, pretty prominent program in the Cincinnati area, correct? Yeah, very good out here. Uh, traditionally very good. Talk to some locals here. They might be having a down year. Maybe they didn't want to admit that Illinois played better this year. I don't know. But, um, yeah, St. X is 0-2 now this year. But regardless, it's a good program. Um, but yeah, that game was on ESPN. Loyola beat the brakes off of them. So, um, UT, uh, we talked about it too. UT's really going to have to play really, really good against Loyola. Um, and hopefully they, uh, you know, they have some, some things that they can take away from, or we're talking, like you said, about an upset victory. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Galesburg is hosting Harvey Thornton on Friday night. Geneseo travels to Grays Lake central. Moline is at Bennett Academy. Quincy is hosting Alton. Alleman is hosting Quincy Notre Dame. Rock Island is hosting Dunlap. And Sterling is hosting Wheaton St. Francis. So non-conference games again for the Western Big Six. Um, you know, I think the game that stands out to me is Rock Island versus and Dunlap. You know, Dunlap's yep. 1-0 and they got the win over Galesburg. Rock Island beat Dunlap a year ago. Can they do it again? You know, I think they, Rock Island's certainly hungry to get back in the win column. Yeah, um, I'm going to look at Geneseo. Um, you know, they, they played well in their first two games last year, really blow up, you know, blow out victories, and then kind of slid a little bit as the season went on. They're not going to have that luxury here against Grays Lake. Grays Lake is a very, very good team. So we'll see what Geneseo's got this year. Maybe they're, you know, maybe they're not the same team as, as they were last year, and they'll put up a, uh, another win here against a great team. So looking forward to that. Um, kind of mentioned it earlier, Allman, Quincy, Notre Dame, who can get the win on the board. I think it's a winnable game for all of them in the way that they played. And we'll see how Quincy, Notre Dame responds with, uh, with their injuries that they had in week one. Um, so yeah, this will be, um, solid week before we get into the meat of the schedule, all the, the, the conference games. I was just going to say one more week of non-conference games. Then we really dive into the dive yep. into the heart of it, get into the Western yep. big six conference play. And that's when. That's when things get real exciting. So we'll, yep. we'll be back talking about them and previewing big six games next week. So let's jump yep. into the Three Rivers Athletic Conference. Mitch, the marquee game in that conference, maybe one of the marquee games around our area. Yeah. Monmouth Roseville hosting Kiwani. It's the Titans coming away with a 22 to 16 win. It's a little yeah. bit of revenge for the Titans. Last year, they went to Kiwani and got beat pretty handily, 42 to eight. So... The Boilermakers were well on their way to a great season a year ago. This year, the Titans, they, they flip the script and they get the win. Boilermakers grabbed a 7-0 lead in this one early. Titans would answer with a touchdown but fall short on the two-point conversion. So that was made it 7-6 at the half. I, did, I was at that game. That was the game I covered on Friday night. Yep. Briefly talking to Monmouth Roseville head coach Jeremy Adolphson before he was heading into the halftime locker room. You could sense frustration and you could sense that, you know, he kind of said as much that we have to, we can play better than this. We're a better football yeah. team than this. We have to show it. We have to play better than this. And uh, overall, the second half, they did. They made plays that they needed to make. The defense stepped up with big stops and got an interception, which essentially sealed the win. So a great win for the Titans. And, uh, you know, uh, in a game that I think is two of the better teams in the three rivers and yep. it's, almost a shame they have to meet in week one because this could be a game that's 
week seven or eight with a lot on the line, but you know, it is what it is, you know, week one game. Well, I'll raise you that Greg and look forward to week nine, Monmouth Roseville and Princeton. So oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, you, you were at this game, so you have a better understanding of, of how things played out than I did. But uh, again, Miles Russell was a team that we both kind of looked at at the beginning of the year, saw what they had coming back, and thought this was a team that is going to compete against the Kiwanis and the Princeton. They're going to make a jump. They're going to compete for the, the the outright title here in the Three Rivers and make a you know a, a run in the playoffs. And this is exactly what they needed to do. So this is a great win. If they did that, they beat a Kiwani team, and they still didn't play well, that's a, just a great sign for them moving forward. So um, good to see, you know, uh, uh, names like uh, CJ Johnson, Drum Jackson, Silas Braun, all the names that we talked about going into the season, uh, playing well, getting a win. And uh, again, if, if they keep this up and that week nine matchup with Princeton happens the way I think it will, um, boy, what a massive game that'll be. Yeah, no kidding. Now, Mitch, I do need to make a formal apology here oh boy. on the podcast. Okay. I hope that Jerome Jackson is listening because okay. I mistakenly wrote my script with Jerome Johnson mm. because along with CJ Johnson, they both yep. had great games for the Titans. So I, I got a little tripped up in my script writing and I, I wrote the name Johnson twice. So my apologies to Jerome Jackson. He looked electric on Friday night. Looks like a real like game-changing type of athlete on the field. Combine that with C.J. Johnson and Silas Braun. This was, you know, the Monmouth Roseville team that we thought, you know, we might yep. see. They looked, they looked really good, especially in the second half. You know, I think that sometimes teams are still trying to figure some things out in week one. I think we did see that a little bit from both of these teams. Mm -hmm. I think that uh, Brady Clark for Kiwani is stepping in at the quarterback position. I think there's pieces they're trying to get into place. Boilermakers are well coached, you know, by by uh, Brad Swanson, they'll, they'll be back. They'll be, they'll be yep. right in the mix. And Kiwater and um, Monmouth Roseville also looks the part. I, I think they'll be in the mix as well. So, you know, we'll see what happens. A lot of football left, but Mitch, you've already kind of called it out that that week nine game is really, uh, really intriguing. Princeton gets the win in week one. We'll move on right, right along to Princeton. Yeah. They get the week one win over Rockridge 41, 22 Tigers, Brady Byers, had a pair of clutch plays in the first half. That really set the tone. A 35-yard interception return and a 49-yard touchdown to push Princeton to a 21-14 lead at the half. And then Mitch in the second half, Tegan Davis steps in. He's the man. He takes over, scoring three times, including an 85-yard touchdown on the first offensive play in the second half. You also had a touchdown from Augie Christensen. So, you know, just a great effort from the Princeton Tigers. And, you know, it's no surprise. They're they're every year in the last four, five years, their their name is in the mix. They're always a good program. Yeah, this is uh this was a game I was intrigued to see what Rock Ridge would bring to the table. Obviously, they were so dynamic last year. Um, lost some key players, brought some back, maybe playing in a, in a different uh, position than they were last year. They did throw for three touchdowns, so they do have that aerial uh, you know. Uh, attack available, especially against a, a Princeton defense who's really, really good. Um, so this is kind of what I was touching on in my viewpoint where um, this does not, you know, uh, this is not going to be what Rockridge's season is like. This is just a really tough week one opponent yep. uh, in Princeton. Uh, but speaking of that Princeton defense, Greg, this is a key update that I want. Yeah. I don't know if you saw this. Did, did you see this or not? I did not see this. I just read okay. the note right now. 
I don't, I'm, we're going to have to tweet it out. I, I can't believe I didn't do this. Princeton now has a turnover chain. Oh, that is that it like is the a, first in our area? Do we know of any other teams? It's got to. It's got to. It's got to be because um, I <laughs> I certainly haven't seen one. It's it's a, it's it's a turnover chain. It's chain link. It's a blue, probably sheet metal or something. It's got the tiger <laughs> on. It says Princeton turnover chain. So um, yeah, I think it was Brady Byers who was rocking that thing on the picture that I saw. So that's going to be uh, present on the sidelines all season. Um, it's no UNLV slot machine, but yeah. you know, um, <laughs> I did see that too. Yeah. So, but yeah, they, uh, that's going to, I think with how good this defense is, we're going to see a lot of that this year. Yeah. Well, Brady Byers certainly deserves to wear it. He had a, he had a game for himself. So, uh, yeah, Princeton getting the win 41 to 22. Mitch, some non-conference action in the three rivers Bureau yep. Valley goes on the road and falls to Villa Grove 33 to 13. Tight game early on in this one as Mason Gosens scores a pair of touchdowns for the Storm, but Villa Grove was able to pull away. Um, Mitch, what I did see from this game, the Storm falls short on the field, but man, they they are winning. They are winning some yeah. uh, some pride around the state, or at least getting some recognition. The tweet after the game from Villa Grove's head coach, I think he was quoting the janitor who he yeah. had talked to. And the quote was, never in my 20 years have I ever had a team bring their own broom and mop and clean up after themselves. I walked into the locker room and was shocked. All I had to do was shut the lights out. It was spotless. Them boys was amazing. So huge credit to Bureau Valley, to to Coach Matt Pistol for, you know, it's cliche to say do it the right way. But man, this is a really cool story. And it just kind of shows that sometimes there's bigger lessons to be learned than, you know, some of the X's and O's or what's going on on the field. Yeah. I, I, I imagine, and I, again, this is not taking away from BV because I don't think this happens at the high school level, but I, I don't think, I think there are examples of this happening before. And where I'm going with this is I think the military academies are, are notorious for this. Okay. Their college programs when they do it. And I think they have a saying, I think it's an army saying, leave it how you found it. Yeah. So if you walk in when it's clean, you're going to leave it clean. Um, so yeah, that's a very, very good lesson for, for any program to have. So kudos to uh, the coach pistol to, to Bureau Valley for, for kind of bringing that mindset, um, you know, bringing their own broom. I love that. So yeah. good for, good for them. Um, and even in, in defeat, you know, you, you, like you said, you keep the lesson there and uh, they're going to, they're going to take that lessons like that with them further than losing this football game yep absolutely i saw some quotes um from coach pistol um from an article that kevin hieronymus wrote from the bureau valley or the bureau county republican and you know coach pistol said you know we stress that you're never above doing small things and the details matter leave things better than you find it which is kind of what you said you know to go along with that and he also added that you know, we need to be a lot better on the football field. And that begins and ends with me that this being coach pistol. And he said, but I can sleep at night knowing that we're developing great young men. And ultimately that is the number one goal. So credit to him and credit to his players for, you know, kind of having the right mindset and taking pride in, in themselves and what they do. Yeah. Um, And just a quick side note, obviously this game is being played because Riverdale did not field a varsity team this year. Yep. I did see that Riverdale and Bureau Valley were playing their GB game tonight. So good to see Riverdale on the field this year. 
um, just a, a quick shout out to them for, for trying to make the, you know, the best out of a bad situation. So um, I did see that going on tonight as we record. All right. Sounds good. Well, we'll go into uh, another game. This one kind of a wild uh, shootout a little bit. Yeah. Profitstown gets the 54 34 win over Mendota two playoff teams from a year ago. Um, Erie Provincetown coming away with the win after opening the game with a justice Huff touchdown, Jace Grunder scored five touchdowns mm-hmm. and Tyler Ballard added two more in the fourth quarter to give the Panthers the edge. So a lot of offense for this Panther football team, that's gotta be a good sign in week one to be scoring that much. Yeah. Um, another team that we like when I was talking about with rock Ridge, um, how was this offense going to look this year? They were so dynamic. They were so good last year. So how are they going to make up, you know, what they lost? So um, yeah, as I was following this game on Friday, it just kind of kept popping in touchdown grunder, touchdown grunder, touchdown grunder. So they've obviously found their, uh, their star back there uh, for the Panthers for Mendota. Um, they, they pretty good on the ground too. Anthony Childs ran for 278 yards and scored three touchdowns. Another team, we wondered how their offense was going to look. They replaced a quarterback. They replaced some guys on the line um, and, and played pretty good, I think. So um, good for good for both of these teams to get off on a good start. Again, Mendota, although with the loss, I think they did some good things. And uh, Erie Provincetown, just that offensive uh, machine just keeps on rolling. Yeah, absolutely. So Erie Provincetown and Mendota, two teams that we kind of had questions on. They were playoff teams a year ago. We kind of wondered what they were bringing back. Two other teams I think we had questions about because they were down last year. They weren't playoff teams, that being Orion and Hall. They met up in week one. It's Orion coming away with the big win, the convincing win, 42 to 12 over the Hall Red Devils. Chargers put on a great show Friday night, really executing well on offense, defense, and special teams. They really put it together in this one, and that's a really positive sign for this Charger team. Getting a big win, and kind of maybe answering some questions early in the season here. Yeah, we knew Cole Crasper was going to be good. Uh, of course, he had a big game for the Chargers like he always does. Kale Filler looked really good on the highlights that I saw from this game. Um, but we, we talked about uh, the special teams. Orion led 28-12 to 12 at the half. And Drake Gunn, a name that we did talk about, I think that was a, a name that Coach Filler talked about as maybe a playmaker for them, showed it right away. Took the opening kickoff the second half back 70 yards to the house. And just push this one out of uh, out of out of grabs. So uh, again, you saw the offensive display. You saw special teams defense holding Hall. A really good rushing attack. Um, you know, Macrosetich, one of the better backs. I think he's playing quarterback now. Maybe a bit of a wildcat situation there for Hall. He scored yep. both of their touchdowns. But uh, regardless, a tough offense to stop. And Orion did just that. So good start for Orion. Um, I'm, I'm expecting to see a lot of this because uh, they looked good. Yeah, I'm interested to follow, um, you know, Kale Filler stepping in at quarterback. Yeah. It's, it's Chip Filler's son, and he's a, he's a freshman coming in to try to lead this offense. And he had a, he had a great start, you know, against this yeah. all team. But like you said, maybe that cautious optimism of it's only one week, but it is a positive sign. I'm interested to kind of follow along and see, uh, see where the season goes for Oregon, yep. for this Charger team. So. Mitch, moving along to St. Bede and Sherrard. The Bruins get the 28-14 to win over Sherrard. St. Bede quarterback John Brady, a guy we talked about a lot in the preseason, he made the, he, he made the plays, scoring all four touchdowns for the Bruins, rushing for 230 yards on 32 carries, also completing 7 of 16 for 122 yards. 
So Mitch, talk about doing everything. Yeah. Uh, quarterback John Brady's doing that for the Bruins. Yeah. You know, last year they had Tyreek Fortney, which, who was uh, one of the better talents in the state, really, um, as part of this offense. So good to see that, that Brady uh, is continuing that. He played well last year. He's going to continue to play well this year. Um, I, I, there's another Brady. I don't know if it's his brother or a cousin, maybe a Ryan Brady who plays on defense. I did see that. Yeah. Yeah. It looked like he had a couple of pass breakups and such. So uh, they're, they're, the, the Bradys are, uh, are on both ends here for the Bruins. Um, but this was a good battle. We talked about this a couple of times already in the show, a couple of games here in week one that were back and forth. Um, both of these, I'd be interested to go look, look back at these six touchdowns and see what like the cumulative yardage was because they all seemed like they were really long plays. Okay. Um, so the way, you know, Sherrard, the way they played playing Prue St. B, a really tough Prue St. B team, a playoff team from last year, playing them tough. It's a good start for them. Um, the quarterback Holland Anderson threw for both TDs for the Tigers, connecting with Carter Brown and Kyler Schmidt for long scores. So, uh, again, you come away with a loss, you do some good things on offense there. Um, in, in a tight game against a good team, you can take away a lot of good things from that. And uh, we'll see how Sherrard responds here in week two. Yeah, I think it's a good start for Sherrard to see what they can see if they can take any positive momentum away from that game and, and keep it moving and maybe translate that into a win. That's a team, a program with Coach Brandon Johnston that they're they're hungry to turn it around, you know, and it's it's not easy, but it just takes that one win, you know, to get that positive momentum, build that confidence. They look great, right? Yeah, the uniforms are great. So um, we, we talked about the, the the special season that they're gonna you know uh, commemorate with the decals and such on, on the helmets. Uniforms yep, for, look great. So um, another Luxor, shout out as, yeah. as we always, as we always can on, on our UniView talks, we shout out the good uniforms. So shout out to Sherrard on this one. Yep. One more game to get to in the three rivers athletic conference. That's the rivalry between Newman and Morrison. They get Newman gets the win 28 to six. Mitch, this was a tight game through halftime. Yep. Newman was only up six, nothing at the half third quarter Mustangs punting in their own territory. Senior lineman, for Newman, Caleb Donna blocks the punt. Comets recover the ball, move the ball 29 yards. They end up scoring from short field. Gabe Padilla punches it in to end the drive. That gave them a 14 to nothing lead. And that was really the decider. That, that was all the insurance yeah. they needed to come away with a 28 to six win. But Mitch, does this sound familiar on a Sterling Newman offense? All four Comets touchdowns were short yardage plays, mm -hmm. rushes, right up rushes. I am assuming right up the middle. I, I haven't yeah. seen all of them, but I would guess. So coach Mike LeMay fits right in just fine. Well, and it's, you know, you're, you're talking about sounding familiar and now I'm going to feel bad because uh, a blocked punt is how Newman beat us our senior year. So this would have been oh, myself man. and coach. This is myself and coach LeMay's respective teams. Okay. Um, I think. I have the article somewhere, but it's locked away for me to never see. I think we were, I think <laughs> we were up like, got it like framed up somewhere. Yeah. He, he's yeah. It's, <laughs> I think we were up 19 to six or something with like eight minutes left. They scored and then forced us to punt. And on that punt, they blocked it and returned it. And we ended up losing 22 to 19 or something like that. So yeah, I, I saw how this played out and it was like, okay, yeah, I've seen this story before. <laughs> Um, oh man, Mitch, I would, I would send a box of tissues over there. I'm sorry. This is yeah, this that's, hard on you. Yeah. That was what 17 years ago. And it's still very, very vividly fresh. <laughs> um, I did, I did read the recap on this, uh, coach Schneider from Morrison, you know, there was things that he wasn't happy about how they played, but 
he wasn't unhappy about a lot either. You know, obviously Newman scoring four short yardage touchdowns. There's not a whole lot you can do about that. Unfortunately, in a game against Newman, you don't want that to happen because you just know how that's going to go. So, yeah. um, like you said, tight in the first half. Um, so uh, I think Morrison's touchdown came uh, a player that they have, Deshaun McQueen, great name. Um, but I think, yeah, we talked about Morrison being probably better than they were last year. Um, the scoreline isn't going to show it, but I think that the way they played, I think Coach Schneider's attitude about how they played is going to set them up well here going forward. So, um, but for Newman and Coach LeMay, great start for their season uh, in his debut as head coach. And, uh, you know, as they always are, looking to get back into the playoffs and, and make a strong run here in the conference. I think I saw a tweet that said, uh, called him Game Day LeMay. So that, yeah. that, that's what that's what Newman's rolling with. I like it if that's, uh, that's what it and, is. And, and you know what? We should have brought this up in the Sterling game too, not to revert back, but Coach LeMay did such a good job with Sterling as a defensive coordinator for 10 years, you know, they were, there was questions about how Sterling's defense would look without him there. Um, and, and again, they, they played as like he was there. So just reverting back to earlier in the show, shout out to, uh, to both Coach LeMay for the win here and for Sterling's defense for kind of overcoming uh, Coach LeMay's absence. Yep. Well, we talked about the Comets scoring from short yardage. Uh, Padilla, Gabe Padilla had three of them. And then Hunter Leondo had the other one. Um, he also had the team's longest run of the day at 61 yards. Um, this was a hard-hitting defensive, you know, track matchup. The Comets and the Mustangs combined for eight sacks, 10 tackles for loss, plus the blocked punt that we mentioned yeah. earlier. So really a defensive, um, you know, effort as well. The score doesn't necessarily indicate it in the end, but I think um, credit to Morrison. They battled hard through, you know, a half or three quarters of this game and, uh, you know, fell a little bit short. And credit to Newman getting my head coach Mike LeMay's first win. So, Mitch, yep. let's look at the Three Rivers Athletic Conference. What to expect in week two. This, right off the bat, this one intrigues me. Erie Prophetstown at St. Bede. That's yep. an interesting one. Monmouth Roseville on the road at Hall. Morrison at Kiwani. Orion at Princeton. Sherrard at Bureau Valley. Rock Ridge at Newman. Mendota, I don't know if they ever filled the Riverdale slot. That would be the Riverdale yeah. game, correct? Yeah, I yes, it was. And I looked that up um, prior to this show, and it still showed them playing Riverdale. I did look on the Mendota social media. They hadn't said anything. So, again, I don't know if they're taking a forfeit win here or if they did fill it. Um, so, yeah, that's all we got, unfortunately, for the, for the Mendota yeah. update in week two. Yeah. Well, Mitch, what game stands out to you then in the Three Rivers slate here? Um, I think there's a couple in intriguing ones. Um, you talked about wanting to keep an eye on Orion. I think we're really going to see what they have, what that offense is capable of playing against Princeton, um, especially on the road. Um, I'd like to see what Rock Ridge is going to do against Newman. Can Newman's defense, again, play really, really well and stop a good offense? Um, but yeah, I think the highlight here, the game of the week, at least for, for me, is going to be Erie Prophetstown at St. Bede, um, two really good teams that look good in week one, two playoff teams from last year, um, two really good offenses. So this could be uh, a bit of a, a bit of a, you know, uh, a shootout with how good they are and, and maybe how, you know, enabled the defenses may be able to stop each other, but, um, looking forward to that one. I, I think if I had to predict here, Greg, I, we don't do that a lot in this show. I really like St. Bede. I like what they did last year. I like what they started here in, in week one. So 
um, that could backfire a lot, but I just, I've, I've been impressed with Sam Bede. All right. Well, I'll, I'll go opposite then. I'll, I'll be contrarian. And I'm, I like what Erie Provincetown has. I yep. think they showed a ton on offense this week. And I think if they could get even half of that production, they're still putting up almost 30 points. I, I like Erie Provincetown. I think in that one, even on the road at the same beat, I I'm, I'm interested in that one. So, uh, difference in view in viewpoints, but that's good. That's yep. That makes for a good pod. So, yep. Well, Mitch, let's move into the Lincoln Trail Conference. Uh, several big games in this one and some, you know, impact, some games with impact outcomes that we're going to have to talk about here. We'll start with Anawan Weathersfield. They get the 35 to 16 win over United. Nice start to the season for the Titans. This was a game I was at for the first quarter. Um, watch out for Zeb Rashid. Rashid. Zeb Rashid. There we go. I got, I'll get that okay. name right. He broke off a 41-yard touchdown run on the opening drive of the game. Man, he looked tough. Broke off some tackles, dove into the end zone, really athletic run. I was impressed by him. I think he could be something. He could be a really nice player for the Titans. Uh, For United, I I think they'll have success this year, but they're still trying to figure some things out. I think Abel Wilson moves in at quarterback. He was a Mm -hmm. wide receiver last year that we saw be an impact player. Stepping in at quarterback, saw him make a few nice plays in this game. But I think overall, this Titans team had more weapons and, ha- you know, really had more of a, um, you know, a team effort going into this one. They really looked good to go. So I'm, I'm interested. Overall, I think this Titans team is, you know, has that potential to contend for the conference title like we talked about before the season. Yeah, I was just going to say that they were a team that we kind of had on our radar as a team that was going to make that jump, right? They were going to make they were going to be better than they were last year and they're going to make a play um, for that that conference championship here. There's going to be competition, and we'll talk about more about these games, but I was I was surprised or impressed, I should say, by a couple other performances here within the conference this week. Um, A-Town looks like it might be a down year for them. So, you know, as the defending champs of the conference, now that's wide open, and I, I do think in on Weatherfield is going to be in that slot there. Um, but as, as I just kind of said, and as we're going to talk about, a lot of good performances, a lot of tough performances throughout this conference here in week one. Yeah, like I like I stumbled over my words in the in the intro to this conference. I do think there's a lot of games results in this week one that really make you kind of look and think, well, who is the favorite yep. in this conference? So right. let's move along to some of those teams. Knoxville gets the 54 to 20 win over Princeville, putting up 54 points against Princeville. This is kind of a statement win to start the season for Knoxville. And Mitch, how about this start to the game for the Blue Bullets? They forced a fumble on the game's first play from scrimmage. Then they scored on the very next play. Jackson Johnson with only 20 seconds into the game. They're already on the board with a touchdown and a fumble recovery to set it up. So pretty good start for the Blue Bullets to the season and to that game. Yeah, this is a, this is a great highlight here because uh, the sun was still shining. And it was one of those where he – it wasn't a long touchdown, maybe 20 yards, I want to say, but it was one of those where he had open space early on, and that's when the cowbell started, and you see the sideline <laughs> going nuts. So it was a great visual there in Knoxville. Um, again, kind of following this game along on social media, just doing what Knoxville does, just run after run after run, um, just wearing the opponents down. So, yeah, Jackson Johnson, as you mentioned, he had four touchdowns in this game but four other Blue Bullets scored. So they have a really dynamic offense once again in Knoxville and the defense played well too. So this is the team that I think, um, were they co-champs last year? I think it was with A-Town. I believe split? so I think because it was. yeah, yep. 
regardless, they're a top team in the conference. I, I expect them to still be there. So this was a good start for them against a good Princeville team that always plays games oddly tight, always low scoring games when you play Princeville. So Knoxville uh, bucks the trend on that one. So good start here. Well, speaking of good starts, that's yeah. what Andrew Hofer wanted for his Mercer County Golden Eagles. They wanted to start better this season than they did last year and that they have in years past. Mitch, they answered that. The players answered that request. They get the win 24 to 8 over Farmington. Mitch, a Farmington team that I've been pretty high on the last few years. That's a yeah. good program. That's a really solid team all the way around. They knock off the Golden Eagles, knock off the Farmers. They start 200, 200 yards and 22 points in the first half. So yeah. not only did they get a great start to win the game, but I mean, just a great start within that game. You know, they, they were right from the get-go. They were ready to go in this one. Yeah. And really uh, continuing their success from last year, they had that rough start, right? They, they lost big to Farmington and forfeited their second, second game. So uh, good rebound here for Mercer County. And again, just coming off of that playoff season from last year where it started so poorly for them, uh, tough loss in that playoff against Newman. Great win for Mercer County. Um, and, and again, just so we talked about with Knoxville, just like we talked about down on Weathersfield. This is going to be a really tight conference because I think this is one of those performances that I think is going to be a bit of the norm. Farmington's a tough team. Um, I think Stocking had, had put a year when the last time Mercer County had beat them. I think it had been a couple years. So um, good, good for them to get over the hump here and, uh, and get this win. Yeah, so for the Golden Eagles, William Fredrickson had 102 yards and a touchdown. Oh, and Relander, a name we called out last year quite a bit. He also contributed on the ground and as a pass catcher. So, Mitch, the two teams we've just talked about, Knoxville and Mercer County, wouldn't you guess? Guess who plays next week? Yeah. An LTC showdown, Knoxville and Mercer County. We'll talk about that one in a few minutes, but let's wrap up the rest of the LTC schedule from yep. week one. A couple teams that struggled a year ago were hungry for that win. One of those teams being Stark County. They get the win 49-21 to over Nokomis. Stark County gets the non-conference win. They start 1-0. Luke Rewerts goes 5-for-5 five five passing, 120 yards, two touchdowns. He also rushed for 65 yards. Mitch, that's pretty effective, good play from the quarterback position. Yeah, can't ask for much more than that. So nice, nice and efficient there. Um, but a great uh, defensive effort, Greg. They allowed some points early on in the first quarter, but then really shut the Comus down, only allowing a touchdown the, the last uh, three quarters of this game. So, um, you know, for a team that didn't play well defensively last year in spots, great sign, great start for them. Um, against a good Nokomis team. I think they went to the playoffs last year. So yep. um, good start for Stark County here. Uh, nice job by the Rebels. Yeah, I think what I like about this win is that this Stark County team was able to outlast Nokomis. They both yep. kind of traded scores in the first quarter, but then you could tell that Stark County was able to prove themselves as that better team, and they were able to outlast them, whether they outconditioned them or they outphysicaled them. Whatever way they had to do it, I think it's an impressive sign that you're able to outlast that team, come away with the what ends up being a pretty convincing win. So a great start for Jay Nord and the Rebels. That's a program that, you know, they certainly want to be, you know, winning more games than they're losing. It's as easy as yeah. that. They want to get back into that conversation in the Lincoln Trail Conference. And, you know, you got to win the first one. So it's a good start. Yep. All right. Well, Mitch, one more game in the Lincoln Trail Conference. Another team struggled for wins last year, but a team I think we're both kind of keeping our eye on. 
Robert yeah. Williams Field knocks off A-Town 41 to 12. Mitch, before we dive into this game, I do want to give a shout out to Matt Wheaton. He yeah. is now uh, writing his own uh, blog, and I can uh, give you the info here. It's a, it's a WordPress blog. We'll send out the link on Twitter. You can check it out on our Twitter page. But, um, you know, the unfortunate news is his position was eliminated at the Galesburg Register. It's a name that we've talked about a lot. He's helped us out over the years with information on Galesburg and on Rova Williams Field and, you know, on some of the other teams in that area. It's unfortunate that this is the way the newspaper industry is going, but Mm -hmm. local coverage is not valued and it's unfortunate. And Matt's position was eliminated and so he's out there writing kind of on his own and trying to get something started and uh you know i hope the best for him we'll share his work and you know promote him because he's helped us out a lot so anyway he did write up a game article on this one and uh we'll you know use some of that information so credit to him and go check out his page but uh junior riley danner threw for three touchdowns and 141 yards fellow junior jack godsell had four touchdowns three receiving one rushing so a great start for this Rova Williams field team that I think we, you know, we have some expectation for this year. Yeah. Um, and, and a young team, uh, another junior Gage Aldridge had two interceptions on defense. So this is a team, this is a team that we might be talking about not only this year, but really into next year too, the way that they've been playing. So um, you shout out too, cause we don't talk about the, the big, uh, the big guys up front, shout out to the O-line, no sacks in this one um, again, against, Maybe a down A-Town team, but still a good A-Town team, you know, coming from last year. Um, here's some some stockpile gold that we can include into this recap, Greg. I love it. Uh, 41 points for Rova, second most in program history. I think the most they had was 44. So uh, anytime you can uh, get up there and uh, be close to setting new records and, and new heights, good for them. Good win here. Yeah, and Mitch. They got new yellow pants, yeah. the uniforms. It was a good look. I'm I'm a sucker for that color scheme. Um, I know you are. I know you are. Yeah. Going back to my liking of Stockton's. Um, yeah, I, I shout out to the the social media team there who uh, tagged us in those pictures. That it's a great look. Um, looking forward to seeing what else they have because I, I don't know. I, I don't know if they have maroon pants. I don't know if they have white pants. So they had maroon um, pants a year ago with that okay. with that uniform. Yep. Okay. So yeah, it's going to be great either way. So yeah, nice debut of the new, uh, uh, gold, yellow, whatever uh, shade it was, uh, pants. And, uh, look, what more example do you need? Look good, play good. That's it. That's as right. simple as that. That's right. All right. Well, before we wrap this up, Matt Wheaton's blog is wheat on the prairie. That's M Wheaton.wordpress.com. So Wheaton spelled W H E A T O N. So mwheaton.wordpress.com. Go check his work out. He's writing local sports articles, which is unfortunate that we can't get that in the Galesburg newspaper, but he's still out there doing it. So I want to support him because like I said, he's helped us out. Yep. All right. Well, Mitch, let's look at week two in the Lincoln trail conference, a town Mm -hmm. versus Stark County, Mercer County at Knoxville. I think that's the big one. Anawan Weathersfield versus West Hancock. United at Princeville and Rova Williams field versus Dupo. So I, I don't think I have to question where your uh, where your head's at, but what game you looking at? Yeah, it, it's, it's Mercer County, Knoxville. And we'll touch on that in a second, but um, yeah, I can start County go two and Oh, um, I'm looking at that. Can a town get their win there? 
Uh, and on Weathersfield playing, playing a, typically a good West Hancock team. They are 0-1. They lost to South Fulton last week. Uh, and Rova, I have no idea where Dupo is. I don't know who they are. They're one and zero, but um, again, can they? Can they again? Can they go two and zero? Just like uh, Stark County has the opportunity to. So, yeah, all the, all these games have intrigue for sure, but no more, you know, um, than what Mercer County at Knoxville does. A game that last year was unfortunately canceled. Um, I don't think Mercer County was playing their best. Obviously, it was the second game of the year last year too, but they. They had that blowout loss to Farmington in week one, and they ran into some COVID issues. So had that game been played, I don't think it would have lived up to the potential that this game will. Um, so this, yeah, a, a game, a, a year plus in the making. Um, looking forward to this one for sure. Yeah, that's the big one. That That's the one that, um, I don't know, have to talk to uh, WQAD and see what uh, what what's on the schedule. But I may be headed out to Knoxville. That's a game I yeah. think I want to see. So Again, you, you'll hear the cowbells. It's a great atmosphere there in Knoxville. Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. I've been there. I love it. Yeah. So, well, Mitch, let's jump into the Northwest upstate Illini. And when yep. we start with the NUIC, we start with the defending state champions, number one ranked Lena Winslow. They get the win 60 to six over Eastland Pearl city. Pretty business as usual for the two time defending state champions, rolling up 350 yards rushing and a near perfect defensive effort for the win. Jake Zeal, a name we saw come on at the end of last year, led the way with 122 yards. Gage Dunker, another name we became familiar with, added 94 yards and three scores. So great effort from Lena Winslow. They're off, you know, they're off and rolling. Yeah, um, I we got the stats uh, from from Kyle Kampmeyer of NUIC football uh, right after this game. And I, the first thing I looked at was that they only threw three passes. And one of them was a touchdown. So yeah. uh, that's some good efficiency for, for new quarterback, Drew Streckwald there at Lee Wynn. And um, like you said, it's just business as usual. This is a, as much as I've, I've said throughout the show that I don't want to take always, you know, much stock. I this is, I will hear because this is what they do. This is, I, I expect this all season from Lee Wynn. This is not a fluke by any means. So um, they just reloaded, you know, they didn't replace, uh, they just reloaded. So, um, good win here and, uh, good to see that Lee win going to be worthy of that number one ranking. But as we'll talk about with some more teams, even within the conference, there's going to be competition this year. No doubt about it. Yeah. Well, let's talk about some of that potential competition. Forreston number six in the state gets the win 44 to 14 over Stockton Cardinals scored early and often in this first half, amassing 30 to nothing lead in the season opener over the Blackhawks, Johnny Cobbler, Cobbler? Rushed I'm going to say I'm going to say Cobbler for the sake that that's a great name. <laughs> okay, he sounds good. He rushed for 120 yards with two scores. And again, here we go. It's that like yep. multi-attack from Forest and rushing game. Caleb Sanders, Lucas Nelson, McKeon Crace all added to the rushing attack and scored for the Cardinals. So this ground attack for this Forreston team is always so multifaceted. There's always a host of names we're calling. Yeah. This is no different today or the other day. Yeah, let's see. Well, we, we named off, what, four names? Um, and I think they have, like, 15 that could run, you know, at any point yeah. in time in their offense. So uh, as much as we talk about Lee Wynn, kind of business as usual, same thing here with the Cardinals. So um, a great win for them. I, I don't know when they play Lee win, but it's kind of shaping up to be that that's going to be a pretty important game in the conference. 
Um, but again, we still have more teams to talk about just within the conference. So, um, but a great start here for Forreston and uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing what they do from here. And I still think Stockton is going to be a team that's yeah. going to make some noise. I still think they're going to win some football games this year. I think that they just ran into a tough Forreston team who's proving themselves to be where we always kind of think Forreston will be and, you know, probably up near the top of the conference. Mm-hmm. So um Speaking of teams that, you know, that are tough in the, in this conference that we, you know, always kind of look at up near the top Fulton 31 to 12 win over Galena stout defensive effort from the steamers only allowing 105 yards on the night, including 11 yards in the second half. So Mitch, this defense for the steamers really making a name for themselves in week one. Yeah. Um, coming off of last year's uh, playoff, uh, season and, and a great first season in the NUIC. They're kicking it off once again here with a great win against Galena. Uh, for as good as the defense was, their offense was good too. They tallied 419 yards on the night, paced by Ryan Eads, a senior running back for them. 120 yards rushing, 48 yards receiving. But Greg, I saw some videos. They got a kicker there in Volton. Yeah, so Andy Quinage, a name we referenced last year a little bit. He's he's got a, He's got a leg on him. He can kick. 44-yard field goal tied the school record. And now that comes after a week ago in their scrimmage game, in their pep game to get the season started. He kicked a 50-yarder. I think it was 54. Yeah. Wow. Geez. So, yeah, that's that's exciting. You don't see that very often when you start getting to the smaller schools in Illinois. Yeah, not not at all. So, and and speaking of of that, one of – Galena's touchdowns came on a, came on a blocked field goal attempt. So um, he could have added three more points for Fulton. Pirates blocked it. Sam Eaton he returned it uh, 55 yards, and then had an op- uh, or sorry had a uh, kickoff return t- uh, touchdown. So special teams uh, for Galena played well. Um, just just ran into a really good Fulton team here. So um, good start for the season for the Steamers. Yep, well, let's talk about some more really good football teams. Dubeck yep. gets the 53-6 to win over West Carroll. Not exactly the welcome back for the Thunder. The West Carroll Thunder took a year off last year because of varsity numbers. Man, this was a tough test. We knew it would be. Yeah. The defending NUIC champions proved why they are that. They looked really good in this one. They exploded for 27 points in the second quarter. They pulled away and did not look back. 363 team rushing yards. Big shout out to their line, Mitch. That yep. That's where it all starts for this Dupec Riverman team. Seven touchdowns on the ground. A.J. Mulcahy exploded for 235 yards and five touchdowns. So, Mitch, I think that there's some interesting dynamic in this uh, Dupec team. And we'll see as the season plays out kind of where they're, how their offense runs. Yeah, um, I saw some highlights of uh, Mulcahy in this game. He is uh, not the quarterback, but he will play in the Wildcat formation for them. Yeah. Um, I will say to our friends of the show at Dupec, um, and maybe they weren't showing a whole lot in this game, it was very obvious when he was in in that Wildcat formation that he was going to keep the ball. So maybe they do have some versatility there. He's a tremendous, he's a tremendous athlete. So I'm sure that they do. Uh, they they run the show way better than I ever could. So, um, but in this game in particular, uh, he was unstoppable. Two hundred thirty-five yards, five touchdowns on the ground. So, um, again, Tupac, a, a team that 
maybe had a little bit of a change in offensive identity from last season. Not as much, at least not in this game, of an aerial threat. Um, really played really well on the ground. Uh, for West Carroll, like you said, they took a year off. A bit of a dual threat quarterback there, A.J. Boardman was a bright spot here. He threw for 90 yards and rushed for 79 more. Uh, receiver Aaron Becker hauled in the lone touchdown for the Thunder. So um, always tough to have a first game back from a year off. Even tougher when you're pay- playing the defending champions of the best small school conference in the state. So um, we'll see what they can do this year because uh, arguably they've got one of their tougher games out of the way already. So, but good start for Dupec, no doubt about it. Yeah, good start for Dupec. And I think, like you said, it'll be interesting to see if, Cooper Hoffman steps in at quarterback, Mm -hmm. but then maybe we just haven't seen that yet, that that's coming. And I think there's, you know, maybe some gamesmanship in the fact that Dupec plays Forreston next week. So one of their toughest matchups. So maybe they didn't want to put a whole lot on that game film. Yeah. Never know. It's really interesting. Obviously Mulcahy coming out of that wildcat offense is dangerous, but it seems like they may have more Dupec may have more weapons than they've shown so far. So, um, one more quick note from this game. Um, Jalen Noud was back on the field. He's a junior that played really well. He came back from having cancer two years ago. So just a really great story. Congratulations to him getting back on the field. That That's yep. awesome. That That's great for him. Yep. That was, that was a great story that Kyle shared with us. So um, been a big fan of what Dupec's been doing. Uh, uh, just another added layer to, uh, to their success that they've had. Uh, so congrats to him. Welcome back. And, uh, you know, excited to have you. Yep. Let's move along. One more game in the Northwest of St. Illini. Dakota gets the big win 61 to 16 over Christ the King. The first win in the Dan Sheets era at Dakota. So it seems like there's a lot of buzz around this program, a lot of confidence building. And, hey, it's great to get that first win. It only gets tougher from here, though, moving into the NUIC schedule. But great win for the Indians to start their season for sure. Yeah, fortunately, we didn't get a lot of stats on this one, but this is uh, seems from the score seems like a very traditional Dakota type of game where they just control the entire game. So, uh, yeah, Dan Sheets, great start for him. And uh, again, you want to get uh, momentum here in this conference as they go down the uh, or as they start to get into these more uh, conference games here and especially next week for them playing Lena Winslow. I was just going to say, let's jump into the week two schedule and they certainly get a tougher competition in week two, Dakota versus Lena Winslow, Forreston versus Dupec, Fulton at West Carroll and Galena versus Madison. This is a non-conference game that they played last year as well. I don't know if Madison played a week one game, so this may be their season opener, but I know yeah. that Galena got the win a year ago against them. I think Fulton might've played them too. Did Fulton play them last year? Yeah, no, I don't remember. Yeah. yeah. So maybe Galena played them a couple years ago, but either way, um, it's a team that we've become familiar with They're They might be the smallest 11 man football team in the state. So, okay. um, but anyway, that's, that's the schedule. Also Eastland Pearl city versus Stockton. So, Mitch, I think it's the game we already talked about a little bit. Forreston versus Dupac. That seems like the game to me. That that's that that's one that could have a lot of implications in the NUIC race. Yeah, it certainly will. It'll, it'll push one team uh, above the other in terms of how we tier these things. Um, I, I'm intrigued here by Lena Winslow and Dakota. Obviously, I, I have no reason. This is not a, a shot at Dakota, but I just have no reason to doubt that Lena Winslow will win. 
but I was impressed with Dakota. So can they challenge Lena Wenzel early in the season? Lena Wenzel was challenged last year towards the end of the season in the regular season anyway, and fell um, in the end, it didn't matter whatsoever, but um, will Dakota add their name to that seemingly growing list of three or four teams that are starting to make that charge towards the top of the conference. So interested to see how that plays out. Um, EPC and Stockton, who gets the first one of their year. Uh, I expect Fulton to, to do well against West Carroll. And then, like you said, Galena, can they get their first win against Madison? So um, some good, some good matchups, but none, none, uh, none more important just in terms of how the season is going um, and how it's going to shape out than Forrest and, and Dupec. Yeah, I'm looking at that Forrest and Dupec game. That's that's my game of the week, maybe overall, not not just within the NUIC, but maybe my my whole schedule game of the week. Yeah, we, we might have to take a cumulative look here at the end of the show because that's a good call. Yeah. Yeah. Let's jump into eight-man football. Mitch, I feel bad that we've buried it this low. I mean, we've yeah. had to wait so long to get to it. Number two ranked in the state, Amboy knocks off the defending two-time state champion, the number one ranked Polo Marcos, 28 to 12 in eight-man football. Mitch, this was a huge, this may be the game of the year and it happened in week one. Yeah. And I, I, we talked about at the top of the show. um, It, it, it could be a preview of things to come. This could be a playoff game. This could be a championship game down the road. Um, You know, I, I don't think Polo losing, uh, separates them any further than the third best team in eight man. So um, it, it's a huge credit to Amboy. They played really good last year, uh, made a good playoff run. Um, I didn't, I, I, we didn't predict this game. Um, I had Polo as my number one ranked and Amboy as number two. So I don't, I don't know yeah. that I expected Amboy to win. It's certainly not surprising though. Yeah. I also had the same thing. I think I had Polo at number one and Amboy at number two. We were both really high on Amboy and they, and they proved it. Amboy scored three of its touchdowns on plays of 30 yards or more. So that explosive offense, you know, including consecutive offensive plays in the first four minutes of the game. So off to a great start. Clipper quarterback Tucker Lindenmeyer finished with 74 yards, two scores, three for six passing, also ran for eight times for 76 yards and a touchdown. He was a difference maker last year, and he's, he's back again making difference for the Clippers. For Polo, I mean, it's the names we've talked about. They had great efforts. Avery Grenoble finished with 82 yards, two scores. And we had Brock Soltau, 10 rushes, 60 yards. So, you know, still productive. That's a good Polo, polo football team. And, man, they ran into a really good Amboy in week one. Yeah. Um, we talked about how quickly they can score on offense. But that's it's a really tough Polo team to stop. So credit to the Clipper defense here. Um, because Grenoble, Soltau, that whole crew, as, as we mentioned uh, previously, the, the two-time defending state champions here in eight-man, uh, and, and shut them down. So great start for Amboy. Uh, I expect Polo to be back, and maybe not the last time we've seen this matchup. Yeah, you're right. You're calling it. it. It Very likely this matchup happens again in the playoffs and maybe deep in the playoffs. Yeah. So let's look around eight-man football, some other results. South Beloit. Gets the forty-two to thirty-six win in four overtimes. Ooh. So what a what a game there! What a dramatic game to open up the season. South Beloit comes away with the win. Milledgeville over Orangeville, big forty-six to eight. Yeah, huge shout out! Congrats to Casey Johnson. 
This is his first game back from Milledgeville after a broken fibula he suffered in week four of the 21 season. He scored three times on special teams touchdowns, Mitch. Three special teams touchdowns for Johnson. That really led the way. Also for the missiles, Connor Nye had an efficient day. Four for six passing, 107 yards, one touchdown. Also ran for a score. So that's a name we talked about a lot last year. He's back in the mix. Milledgeville looks really good. They're also a team that's in that potential, you know, top tier with Amboy and Polo, I think. Yeah, and even the the two teams we're going to talk about here that got wins in week one, too. I think this is going to be a more more competitive eight-man season, I think, where you saw Polo kind of taking the reins. And Orangeville last year, too, kind of running through the season. They got the the title game. Now I think you're going to see Milledgeville play better. You're going to see Amboy playing better, obviously, already. Um, West Central put up 60 this week. Ridgewood got their debut win. So um, I I expect a lot more competitive games, uh, some mixed results, and then ultimately at the end of the year, a really good playoff. Yeah, well, you just referenced it. Let's run down some of the other scores. The big ones that stood out to me, West Central gets the win 60-32 to over Bushnell Prairie City. They're a team we've been high on, and they're they're not, you know, they're outside of the NUIC area, but they're they're an eight-man team that is, this looks like it's really poised to be their year. I think they had 60 at half. Wow. I, th- wow. I'm, I'm, I think I texted Kyle that, that it was like 60 to, I, I don't know, something at, at half. So, yeah, very impressive there for the, for the Heat, right? Yes. Yep. The yeah, heat. the Heat. Yeah. So they get the win. And another uh, fellow LTC eight-man team, Ridgewood, they get their yeah. first win in eight-man football in their first game. They win over Galva 54 to 14. So credit to Coach Elder and their players for getting that first win. That's a team that I, I just don't know that we really know what to expect out of them yet yeah. because they struggled at 11 man last year, but it's a whole new ball game. Literally, it's you know, it's it's a different, a different look now. And with you with you having more depth because eight-man football allows that, you know, that more depth of a team. I think it's really interesting to see what the Spartans can do. Yeah. And look no further than Amboy because that was their first year last year in eight man, right? There you go. Yep. So it, it, they caught on very quickly and now you see that they're, they're going to take over the top ranked teams um, in, in the state rankings. So yeah, may, maybe they fit right in, you know, you just never know how this is going to go. So maybe they've got a handle on things with coach elder there. And uh, again, another one of those teams is just going to roll into the, this eight man conversation and really make, this eight man better than it already is. And, and, you know, show the IHSA that this needs to be sanctioned, recognize it officially. Yep. And uh, again, we need teams like that. And we just uh, seem to be getting good, uh, good performances here from these new teams that show up. Yeah. I think we're getting there for sure. Um, Let's look at the, uh, you know, a few of the matchups around eight man. Amboy is at home against Hanover river Ridge. We got Aquin goes on the road to Milledgeville. That's an interesting one there. Okay. Um, and we should mention Amboy or Aquin lost a heartbreaker in week one, 39, yeah. 38 against uh, Scioto West Prairie. So they, you know, they look to bounce back against Milledgeville. You have Orangeville will go on the road to Polo. So a tough test there for Orangeville. Let's Rematch see. of the title game. That's true. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right for sure. Um, 
So West Central, as we just referenced, they will go up against West Prairie, the team that is 1-0 that knocked off Aquin. And then Ridgewood will be at home against Bushnell Prairie City. Galva will be at home against Peoria Heights. So there's a few of your eight-man football for week number two. All right. Mitch, before we wrap all this up, I kind of want to go around and, you know, inform our listeners a little bit about what else is going on around the state. I think it's important for as much as we talk about what's happening in our area, I think, you know, down the road, eventually, if our teams make the playoffs, there's some names, some teams we're going to run into that it might be nice to kind of follow along. So, and just anything else that kind of stands out to us, fun storylines or, you know, kind of things that make you do a double take. So Mitch, I'll let you take it away. What are some of the things you found around the state? This was one that, that came up early and often on Friday. Um, Bolingbrook has a freshman quarterback. Okay. Jonas Williams threw for 407 yards and seven touchdowns in a win over Manuka. Oh, jeez. Um, and now and let me, let me add to this, that Bolingbrook wears jerseys that say the Brook on them. I and they play on, and they play on black field turf. So there's a whole lot going on there. Wow. Um, but Jonas Williams does not look like a freshman. Like he is a big bodied kid and uh, obviously uh, has had a lot of uh, experience and training here because he looks like a star. Um, again, I, I don't know much about Manuka. I don't know about, much about the competition, but if you're 15 years old and you're putting up those numbers in a varsity game, your first varsity game, that's impressive. And uh, be tracking that the rest of the year. Yeah, for sure. That one stood out to me. Mitch, tell me more about this Nazareth versus Kankakee. That's that's a huge matchup yeah. in week one, you know, but tell me about this one. Yeah, uh, Kankakee uh, went to the title game last year in 5A, so they're playing number one Nazareth. And it was maybe a, a type of game you expect to see from the two ranked teams in 5A, but the result, at least score-wise, was not. <laughs> it was, I don't, what I don't, you'd I don't, expect... I don't know. What you'd expect is a close game, which right, we got. You expect a, right, you expect a close game. You don't see a two-to-nothing game very often. No. I don't know when the safety occurred. I have no idea, but I saw that unbelievable two-to-nothing. I believe I saw a two-to-nothing game um, a couple years ago. I believe it was. Was it a uh, Northwestern game? No. <laughs> that was not but it, that that'd be always a strong candidate for that. Uh no, it was um it was Mid County and Ridgewood a few years ago okay. the LTC. It okay. was real wet, real sloppy. Yeah. And I believe that Ridgewood went for a game-winning field goal in the rain in the slop. They couldn't get it. And okay. uh, yeah, the final was 2 to nothing. So I have seen one before, but not very often. Yeah, un- unreal. Um Moving into Reed Custer uh, on on the opposite side of the spectrum here. We talked about a two nothing game. Yeah, they win sixty seven to nothing, uh, which was a school record for them in terms of uh, uh, margin of victory. But more, maybe more impressively, and again, I don't know against the competition that they were playing against. Probably wasn't that great. Uh, they allowed negative forty three yards on the night, which ranks as the twelfth best defensive performance in IHSA history. I can't believe that's only the twelfth best. Yeah, right. Like, well, it's like it was like when uh, we were talking about the Rock Island playoff game last year, all yeah. the records that they set and they still weren't even like the top playoff scoring games. It's like, how did that happen? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, negative 43. I don't know what the best is. I should probably try and track that down. 
um, and, and try and figure out, put my, you know, wrap my head around the circumstances of how you can get more or less than negative 43 yards on a night. But yeah, yeah uh, good start for Reed I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mitch, one more game around the state that caught your attention. I think it caught yeah. a lot of people's attention. The Leonard bowl. Tell me about, uh, tell me about that. Yeah. So this has been quite the thing, uh, two, are they both 4A? I think so. Dep- uh, depending on depending on the year. But yep. Yep. Yeah. Um, the Leonard Bowl is uh, an annual matchup between Sacred Heart Griffin and Rochester, two uh, of the most you know historically great programs in Rochester history. Yep. Coached by a father and son. Father Ken Leonard is the Sacred Heart longtime Sacred Heart Griffin coach. His son Derek is the Rochester coach. Um, this was the last Leonard Bowl, at least for now. They met in the semifinals last season, so you never know. But this was at least the last uh, regular season game between these two. It was the 13th time they've played against one another. Um, again, as I mentioned, I think it was like 49 to 42 in the semifinals last year in Sacred Heart uh, won. Um, but uh, again, a, a cool story, very cool moment in the beginning of this game as, as the captains and teams came out for a coin flip. Um, I, I don't know what family members it was, but the, each coach had family members with them. It was a big family reunion, so to speak, at, at midfield, as uh, this could be, potentially be the last time father and son coach against one another. Um, in the end, Sacred Heart Griffin won 62-27. They're going to have another great year, but uh, just a cool story, you know, um, a, a long-lasting history between two really good programs and uh, family bragging rights uh, at the table. Yeah, really cool story, and, you know, if – if that's the last time they meet in the regular season, uh, well, it will be the last time they meet in the regular season. If that's the last time they ever meet, like what a rivalry, one of those kind of like all time, yep. you know, IHSA historical rivalries, you know, just with all that went into it with the family connection, really yeah. cool story. Last year's game was phenomenal to watch and oh, to awesome. follow along with. So I know we both watched it last year. So um, congratulations to Ken Leonard on an amazing career and, see what he can do to, to finish this up. It's a good start, you know, a good, yep. a good start to the season for him. Well, Mitch, I pulled out a few games from, uh, you know, the lower, from the, you know, lower um, teams, the 3A through 1A. So let's look through. Yeah. You got in class 3A, I see Catholic defeats Lombard Montini 35-16. So yeah. I think I see Catholic, a team we're going to be watching, you know, down the stretch. I forgot that Montini missed the playoffs a year ago. So yeah. Interesting to see where they go from here. They're now sitting at 0-1, and obviously they play a tough schedule up that way. In 3A, the other big news, Stillman Valley defeated Byron 15-12 to in overtime. So Ugh. the defending... the defending what, a stretch. What, what a stretch of words you just put together. Oh, that's great. <laughs> so the defending state champions in Byron go down 15-12. Stillman Valley, you talk about classic rivalry. Stillman oh, Valley man. and Byron feels like a... You know, that should be a quarterfinal, semifinal game every right. November, you know, so. Well, and, and, you know, we were talking last week about, you know, the good Addison Driscoll teams. If you go back into like the late 90s, early 2000s, those Stillman Valley teams, like you yep. were not going to beat them. They were unbelievable. So, um, yeah, I saw, I, I got wind of this game late as it went into overtime. I saw it and just like the headline, like, just like I said to you, that stretch of words. Stillman Valley and Byron are going to over overtime. That's must see TV. It's yeah. great. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was a great one. Um, other news in three, a Wilmington gets the win over Marengo 32, 26. 
So tight game. The defending state champions in Wilmington get the in win there. They were in 2A a year ago, yeah. correct? Yeah. Yes. I guess Kyle had them listed. We have them listed at 3A in our polls. I, but uh, Yeah, I, I think that's, again, one of those that it's just it's a weird enrollment thing. I don't know yeah. where they're going to. Yep. Or if they get multiplied up. I, again, I, I'm so confused on some of those rules. But, yeah, they're in 3A at the moment. They might play 2A playoffs. Who knows? Yep. Another uh, game that kind of stuck out to me, Moroa Forsyth gets mm-hmm. the huge win over Pleasant Plains, 61-12. to 12. So that's another one of those programs that we always kind of look at in Moreau Forsyth. And they haven't been quite at that top, top tier that they have been, but they're never really that far out of it either. They're always right yeah. there. Yeah, a, a perennial uh, representative of the South um, in state championship games. I know that they played against Morrison one of those years. I know that they've won a couple and been runner-up in a couple. So, yeah, good to see them uh, back and expect to see them uh, doing much of this the same uh, this year. Yeah, in our uh, in our poll that we run or that we assist with through NUIC yeah. Football, Kyle runs the poll um, through NUICfootball.com. <laughs> In his class 2A rankings, he's got Moreau Forsyth up at number three. Okay. So we we now have Moreau Forsyth up there at number three. I see Catholic getting back to them. They're number one in class 3A. Wilmington is in our 3A bracket at yeah. in our 3A um, class at number two. Princeton at number three. Byron at number four. So talk about some heavy hitters in that class 3A rankings, mm-hmm. according to NUICfootball.com. Um you know, that's that's some real uh, big-time names there. Let's get into Class 1A, Mitch. A few big games that stood out to me. Camp Point Central defeats the Class Ooh. 1A runner-up from a year ago in Carrollton 43 to nothing. Mm-hmm. I like Camp Point Central. I liked them last year. I like them again this year. On the NUICfootball.com Class 1A poll, now after week one, they're up at number four. So they're definitely think, a team to watch for down down that way. I think I put, I think I've had them at two the last two weeks. So yeah, okay. they yep. we knew that they were going to be good. I was not expecting this. And again, I, I don't know what Carrollton has this year. Um, obviously, they were so good last year, but I think they did graduate a lot of talent. But yep. anytime that you can defeat the defending runner-ups in such a good class like one A by forty three. Um, that's a good indicator of how your season might go. So yeah, great, great, uh, great start here for, for Camp Point Central. Well, that was my thing is not that that's, that they won the game, but how they won the game. Such yeah. a big, you know, score differential. So that one stuck out to me. Also in class 1A, Tuscola's 1-0. They're ranked number eight in class 1A, according to NUICfootball.com. They get the win over Arcola 30-13. to so that's a rivalry game right away in mm-hmm. week one and Tuscola gets the win. Mitch, there's another name for you, Tuscola. Like you always just kind of think they're, they're hanging out and they haven't been maybe the top of the top tier in the last yep. few years, but they're never far off, you know? Yep. So one more game, Mitch, we're going to get to, we got to talk about my Marquette Crusaders. They get the win over Aurora Christian 26, 20, that game came down to the wire, a great football game in Ottawa on Friday night. It came down to 21 seconds left. Alex Graham, the quarterback from Marquette, hits a 35-yard pass to Logan Nelson for the game-winning score. Mitch, you saw the highlight. Yeah. Talk about a remarkable throw. Yeah, on the run, rolling uh, rolling right. and uh, Throwing against anytime, his body, uh, throwing even... you know, back the other direction. 
Yeah. So any, anytime you're, you're doing that and, and can sling it that, that far um, is, is impressive. And then you, you add in the elements of what was on the line, the time left. So um, was it 20 to 20 when that happened and did they miss an extra point or were they down? I believe it was tied at 20. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah. It doesn't, doesn't diminish anything. Um, but uh, yeah, Aurora Christian, a playoff team, you know, every year. So this is a great win for Marquette. Um, and yeah, awesome play from Alex Graham. Yep. So when you're looking at the NUICfootball.com poll, Marquette is at number six, being that they're uh, at their one and zero start. They have an interesting uh, start to the season. They play some tough games. Um, so this one, this win against Aurora Christian, but then moving down their schedule, their first four weeks are all at home. Okay. But next week they have Chicago Christian, who's one and zero. They play Deer Creek Mackinac, so they play DMAC. And yep. then they play Anawan Weathersfield in week four. So four home games, but a pretty tough stretch there. Three out of those four games are really formidable opponents. So yep. curious to see what they can do and how they run this stretch because they have a lot of talent returning from a year ago. And by the time we get down to that game in week four against Anawan Weathersfield, I believe it's homecoming for Marquette. Mitch, I'm going to have to go back for that one. I'm going to have to get some highlights for Anawan Weathersfield and send it back to the Quad Cities, but I'll be there yeah. to, to watch that one for sure. Well, and they've got new uh, Navy pants, right? Is that what I saw? Yeah, so they they were wearing kind of the all uh, Navy blue look. So Navy blue pants, jersey was Navy blue, and then the gold helmet, as always. But uh, yeah, it was a different look and kind of getting some inside information. They have some white pants, they have the blue, and then they have the traditional gold pants. So it's, you know, they're getting getting all Oregon ducks on me here, you know? So yeah, looked a, a great look, no doubt about it. Yeah. Well, Mitch, I think, I think we've talked it all through. I think we've, uh, we've discussed all there is to talk about. We have an exciting slate of week two matchups. I'm excited to get going, and we're one week closer to all the conference games. I know most teams mm-hmm. are playing conference games here or there, but conference games will really be in full swing in about week three. So we're getting yeah, there with a lot of exciting football. Yeah, and even just beyond the Western Week 6 where some of these conferences are playing conference games, this week two slate has really – maybe season defining matchups do peck forest and is going to, you know, uh, separate one of those two teams and, and make a, a run at the top. Same thing with Knoxville and Mercer County in the Lincoln trail and uh, St. Bede and, and Erie province down in the three rivers. So yeah, a lot on the line even here in week two. So um, I think we'll have uh, just as exciting games to talk about here next week as we did uh, in week one. Absolutely. And Hey, once again, we're ready to talk United Township upset next week, a week from now, Man, we'll be fired up. We'll be ready to talk about it. Go get it. Let's see the Panthers shock the nation. Yep. All right. Well, thank you to everyone who listens, follows on along on Twitter, and uh, we appreciate it. We will see you again next week. We'll be talking week two and some preview of week three. That'll do it for this week's episode of View from the West. Thank you so much for listening. I encourage you to go out to Apple Podcasts or Podbean and subscribe so you can follow along and downloads will come automatically every week you can follow along on twitter at view from west pod you can also email me if you're interested in being a sponsor view from west pod at gmail.com thanks so much we'll see you next week